0: Good evening, and welcome to Smooth Seas. This is your host, Debbie Thomas, here on the JR, just east of New Zealand. It's a pleasure to be with you this evening. And as I said, there's smooth seas, gently rocking swell, nice headwind, and we're headed to site U1553. Join us, won't you?
1: Welcome to episode 5 of This is Science, Expedition 378. I'm Claire. Science is this beautiful objective process. It's a clean and logical way of looking at the world, asking questions, and answering them without any of the subjective, messy human perception. Except, science is done by people. Messy people with their emotions and interactions and feelings. And for the kind of science that happens on the Droidies' resolution, like drilling into the seabed floor and recovering sediments from hundreds of metres below the ocean, well, that requires a big team of people. Our Expedition 378 objectives were to investigate the paleogene climate in the remote South Pacific Ocean, with a 30-strong science party. So, who shepherds this party and keeps them on track to achieve these objectives? Well, your smooth seas host is one of those people. Debbie Thomas is a co-chief of this expedition, and she would have initially put forward this expedition proposal.
0: After... Sixteen years of shepherding this proposal effort through the peer review process and the various stages of review uh, in the IODP system, I was invited to serve as co-chief scientist for Expedition 378. Co- the role of the co-chief scientist is is really the coach. It's it, the co-chiefs are responsible for ensuring that uh, the science party functions uh, in an effective as an effective team to execute all of the tremendous and transformational science. And our job is really to facilitate collaborations among the science party and to synthesize the results. Many of these scientists have never even met each other. They may have known each other by by reputation or by reading papers, but having such an international group and a diverse group in terms of career stage is really exciting, but also it makes the co-chiefs hyper-sensitive to cultural differences and... Um, experience differences but at the at the end of the day we every member of the science party is an equal equally important member of the team and our job is to make sure that everyone leaves the ship with a clear science plan to do amazing things
1: and it is a diverse team we have scientists from 14 different countries on board the age range goes from 25 to 65 plus years old someone didn't want to admit their age so 65 plus and the experience level goes from phd students all the way up to dean now expedition 378 has had some issues before we even got on board so it was originally supposed to sail in october 2018 but because of an issue with a cracked propeller it got delayed until january 2020 and then 11 days out from sailing, more bad news. Following a safety check, it was determined that the derrick, which is this tall structure that supports the drill pipe, well, they figured that the derrick wasn't sturdy enough to support drilling in more than 2 kilometers of water. And this rules out all but one of the proposed sites. So the expedition goes ahead, but shortened from two months to just over one month, and drilling in just one site, site U1553, on the Campbell Plateau in the sub-Antarctic region of Aotearoa, New Zealand. And this is the nature of science at sea. But it means from the start for this expedition an immediate shifting in expectations and objectives. And managing this falls into the realm of the
0: co-chiefs. You know, preserving morale is, is critical to any team, and that's something I learned as an athlete, where, you know, if you're having a problem, if you constantly talk about that problem, you're going to bring the rest of your team down. So one of the most important things for um, for an, the success of an expedition is is to... Focus on the positive and to focus on what we can control. It's not a question of avoiding or um, denying challenges and adversity. You, you have to acknowledge these things, but it's focusing on the positive and focusing on on what we can accomplish. And for me, um, leadership and and coaching is is about compassion and um, and positive energy. And um, well, frankly, I use humor as my as my tool to help boost morale, so um, but that's just me. We laugh a lot out here. If you think about it, there is a lot that can go wrong out here. Science at sea is an inherently risky business. The way I see it, you you have to have perfectly aligned stars to acquire data to test your hypotheses, and it's um, it it seems easy to take for granted. All of the times when the stars have aligned because you see this data published and you hear people discuss their results and, and it seems easy. But what you didn't get to see was all of the preparation and all of the best laid plans and all of the luck that went into it. I mean, and and so when I talk about aligning of the stars, this is weather, um, which absolutely, um, <laughs> absolutely can can make or break an expedition but um, the mechanical functioning of, of the vessel itself, the mechanical functioning of the scientific equipment, the uh, proper and safe functioning of all the laboratory instrumentation, it's, it, it truly is an alignment of stars. And, and every core that's recovered is a triumph. And so, and but the Gulf Coast repository and the Bremen core repository and the Kochi core repository are filled with hundreds of kilometers of cores. So that's a whole lot of triumphs. Um, you know, the adversity, you know, we, we we becomes a distant memory because ultimately we focus on the analyses and the data and the amazing science we do from the triumphs. Uh, but if you happen to be on an expedition. Hit with adversity, it's, it's, it's hard to deal with at the moment and see, see the forest for the trees. And so as, as a leader, I, you know, I, I try to help each individual see the forest for, through the trees.
1: One of the people on board who knows all about preparation, best laid plans, and what can go wrong, is Kevin Grigger, the operations superintendent for this expedition Kevin is from a small town of about a 1,000 people called Wallace in Texas. And he had never been on a ship this size before applying for an engineering role with IOGP. But he always dreamed of travel.
2: Growing up in a small town, you kind of dream of going different places in the world and seeing different things. And I've been places with this program that I never thought I'd see before, you know, or never thought I'd ever get to see. I remember when I was younger that there were two places that I always wanted to see. Uh, two places that were the only two places really on my bucket list to go were, uh, I always wanted to go to Hawaii, and I always wanted to go to Australia. And two months after I got hired, I went to Hawaii to meet the ship, so that was one checked off the list. It took me 14 years to get to Australia, but I got there <laughs> a couple of times. Uh, and along the way, I got to see some really interesting places, too. That's One of the perks of the job and one of the things that I really do like about it. Um, The other thing is just uh, every science party is different and the people in each science party are, uh, uh, some cruises you get some from uh, certain, get a certain group that's from a certain area or most of them are from certain areas of the world and sometimes they're from just all over. So it's, it's an interesting mix.
1: Kevin has a really important role. His job starts quite a bit before the expedition with a whole lot of planning And then once on board, he links the science party and the ship and drill crew. And then he'll work to adjust the expedition plan as needed, as things crop up, which inevitably they will. One of the things that Kevin finds interesting, and that can really affect an expedition, is the dynamics and interactions between people.
2: So at the beginning of the expedition, nobody knows anybody. Uh, they haven't. Most of them haven't met before. Most of the science party, they some of them have, but most of them haven't. And just the dynamic of friendships that happen. You know, uh, different types of relationships. Everybody getting to know each other, building a good work relationship with their uh, with their group. Also watching the, the the guys on the ship as well because uh, they've been off for two months. So when we get to site, they haven't been doing. Drilling or coring for a couple of months, and they're a little bit rusty as well. So you see them, oh yeah, I have to do this now, you know. And then uh, a few days in, they're up to full speed. And then at the end, we didn't see it at this one on this one so much because it's a little shorter. But usually at the end, they're kind of dragging a little bit. Uh, and then that last trip out, they're like, okay, we get to go home after this. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, that type of dynamic is kind of neat to watch. And again, just how just how people interact with each other different cultures interact with each other. I mean, this particular uh, expedition will be out for f- four-ish weeks together, right? Usually it's about eight. So week six, you see a change in most people. <laughs> and we're about at that point now in this expedition. So you kind of get, it—you'll know, basically about three quarters of the way through the expedition, people are tired and they can't see the end yet. And then about a week later, the end is there. And Everybody's back to normal, so it's and I, uh, you, you, probably will see that a little bit on this one, but it's very pronounced and it's a full week on most expeditions.
1: And when he says all matter of relationships, Kevin means it. There have been a number of people who have found love on the Jor, whether techs who have sailed together many times, or even science team members who just met on the one expedition. And that cauldron of non-stop 12-hour days together was enough to light a fire that burned on afterwards. Anyway, this week six phenomena was something that came up over and over from people I talk to that work on the ship all the time. Here is Dan Marone, one of the techs on the ship that I talked to for episode
3: three. Week six is this kind of Almost no man's land where you're very burnt out. You're very tired of being away from home, working every day, and you're not even close to the end yet. You still have three more weeks to go. One of the hardest things is ending an expedition. It's a tough spot, and <laughs> it, it's still it's something that's as a tech as you sail. Many times you get used to it. You know how to handle different mental states throughout the expedition. But sometimes scientists just, you know, they don't see it coming. It hits them pretty hard, pretty different ways.
1: Because Dan and the other techs have been through this before, they can preempt it. They've worked through it, and they know they'll get out the other side. But for newbies on the science party, it seems like at week six, something changes. People become less tolerant of each other and stop letting the little things slide kevin has some theories on this
2: you know you look at a regular workplace uh you you work with people 8 hours a day uh you're around them for that period of time you go home at night right uh you go home for the weekend and you can put up with you know, little things that bother you a little better uh, out here 12 hours a day 7 days a week you never go home and you're never that far from people that sometimes can get on your nerves and, and I said sometimes it, it, I think it, off the ship it's easier to put up with certain with little things uh, on the ship after a certain period of time things things can get to you
1: yeah I just so, find it really interesting because yeah. like, science is a thing that we do and it's supposed to be this totally you know objective way of mm-hmm. looking at things, but then people have created science, and then you're mm-hmm. getting people to do science mm-hmm. and then people are just this like complex mess mm. of emotions right. and you know how they interact and cooperate with other people, especially in a in a setting like this right. yeah. is gonna totally impact mm-hmm. on what the quality of the science actually yeah. is mm-hmm. and what the outputs are yeah. um. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, find that dynamic really interesting.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, you think about it too. We're on a the ship is what, 470 feet. I can't think of what that is in meters off the top of my head. 145. 145 meters. Okay, 145 meters long. So, the majority of the time, the science party is in under half of that. Right. Really. Yeah, true. R- yeah. Really, you when, when you think of it, it's less than a quarter because most of the science party doesn't go up to the bridge area. So you're behind. You're aft of that, uh, and you're forward of the rig floor. So the science party is going to be in that small of an area for two months. Now you have a few floors you can go up and down, but there's very few places you can actually go to be alone, which is I think what most people end up missing over the period of time is you have very little privacy. And everybody needs that after a while. you know.
1: This is not a regular workplace. And there are both positives and negatives to that. For those like Dan and Kevin who do this all the time, they do see a lot of positives they both love the opportunity to travel the chance to meet new people the fact that they're contributing to science and the ship views Um. so actually being at sea then what's the best thing about being at sea
2: oh the sunsets
1: (laughs) they're pretty good
2: the sunsets and sunrises there, there are some spectacular ones Uh, really really beautiful and uh, I don't think I've ever gotten tired of watching them so
1: but you know time is different out here when you're on the boat you seem to slip out of regular time like it goes by fast because you're working so hard but at the same time slow because the routine is the same every day it's a kind of strange busy limbo but you really don't feel like you're in real life and you miss a lot of things back home um and what's the most difficult thing
2: uh being away from home for two months at a time uh you know it was i would say harder when my daughter was young she's grown and married now so it's a little easier being away you know she has her own life so uh but uh it's hard to be away from home for two months uh, it's It's kind of a weird feeling too, in that uh when you get back home, it seems to to the person that's gone, it's like nothing's changed you know you 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 go you come back and you you, you those two months almost didn't exist uh but to the person who has to stay home, <laughs> they've had to deal with the house and the problems at home without you for two months and it, you know. It's And it's a weird adjustment getting back.
3: The worst thing by far is missing everything at home. I find that life goes by much faster now that I'm on the boat. You're gone for two months and nothing happens in your life, but everything doesn't pause back home. Yeah, there's a lot of missed time. And I think the most important thing for me that I miss is just family time, missing important events, birthdays, graduations, stuff like that
1: for science team members like Anne Dunley who you know might be doing this once or just a small number of infrequent times it's an adventure it's an opportunity and
4: quite different to doing science back home our our labs at home don't move as much as the labs here <laughs> When you put down a a vial, it stays there at home. (laughs) Nuts. You have to be a little more careful out here. (laughs) Back at home, you have to wake up and make your own breakfast. (laughs) Drive to work. (laughs) Bring your own lunch. Go home. Do laundry. (laughs) And, you know, hang out with your family and friends. Oh, and then you have weekends and everything at home. Uh, Here... You have people doing your laundry, cooking for you, cleaning for you, and your sole purpose on the ship is to do science. Uh, We also have the top experts from around the world on uh, the topic or the scientific objectives, uh, eating three meals a day together (laughs) and hanging out with each other after shift. Uh, So the scientific uh, conversations can can be pretty remarkable, and you really get to know your colleagues on a different level from... Uh, professional setting at home. The relationships you develop at Sea are unlike the ones on land. Uh, Just you see the people a lot more. We have no cell service, which this day means that, uh, you know, on land that you always have cell phones interrupting. But this is uh, just great conversations with people who are really passionate about what you're passionate about and the Personal bonds and the scientific bonds are are pretty remarkable,
1: <laughs> so it's a unique setting, and if it's a good vibe, if it's a positive vibe, one that nurtures collaboration between the scientists
4: I've been working really closely and t- discussing ideas with the other chemists on the ship. Uh, the two others are on the opposite shift of me so uh being the only chemist on my shift, it's been a great opportunity to go talk with the sedimentologists and the biostratigraphers and the physical properties scientists. And so, this expedition has been remarkable for uh, really collaborating with all different types of researchers and, and bringing all these different disciplines together uh, to achieve kind of greater than the sum of our parts or something like that. <laughs> it's
1: beautiful. It's podcast gold. <laughs>
4: And this expedition has also been remarkable because two Japanese scientists and I have been talking about our uh, post-cruise research, and we have like strongly overlapping interests and are building up collaborations. And that's the type of opportunity you only get on a ship like this to spend a month talking with people from Japan and building up really strong relationships to kind of uh, bring global unity to the world of science. That was way too cheesy. <laughs> if you could just chuck a boat pun in there, then
1: I'm, you know, that's it. We're I'm all just... on the
4: same ship in this world. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Mike drop. <laughs> all right. So maybe global unity is a bit beyond our expedition objectives. But ship unity, that's achievable
0: the most important thing to coexisting on a on a working ship and the mo- and the most important thing uh, ultimately in the success of any expedition is is respect and compassion so it, it you know this this expedition is really about the human experience and the process of doing science the actual science comes months to years later but the process of doing science and the process of getting people together to experience that science um, is really the story of the Joydi's Resolution. Um, it's the, the crew. I mean, everyone, you know, you, you look around and every single person you walk past has a critical role on this ship and none of the cores could be re- recovered without, um, you, you know, without everyone's help and everyone pulling in the same direction. And thank God we're not rowing because it's a big boat. But, you know, the metaphor works. People
1: often mistake science for a body of knowledge, a textbook of facts. But that's not what it is. Science is a process of being passionate and interested in the world around. In thinking big ideas and asking questions. In being precise and objective in answering those questions. And of adding more knowledge to what we already know in order to help humans and to help our planet. It is a process done by people. And though individual scientists such as Albert Einstein and Marie Curie, are often lauded for their remarkable achievements in brains. More and more, science is now a collaborative, interdisciplinary process that relies heavily on teamwork, and on people getting along. That is science. Thank you for listening to this final episode of This is Science, Expedition 378. I've been Claire Kincannon, the Science Outreach Projects Coordinator at the Otago Museum in Dunedin, New Zealand. This podcast is brought to you by the International Ocean Discovery Programme and especially the Australian-New Zealand Consortium of the Programme, who are supporting me to be here. Thanks also to GNS Science New Zealand and Otago Museum for their support. The intro music was created by the spectacular Molly Devine, and you should check out her new music on Spotify. And the audio beds were created by the uber-talented Perry Hyde. Thank you yet again, Perry. This is the last episode of the series, so if you've just found this one, well then go back and listen to the rest. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this series. Lindy Newman, Debbie Thomas, Laura Haynes, Dan Marone, Anne Dunley, Chris Hollis, Kevin Grigger, and Rosie Sheward. You can find out more about the Geordies Resolution and Expedition 378 at www.geordiesresolution.org. Wishing you light winds and fair seas. Ka kite.